0: You know, as people that share the word of God Our job is to give hope You know, the job is not just to give hope But so that you can give hope to someone else There's a passage in the book of Proverbs That says that the power of life and death is in the tongue Therefore, (laughs) speak life out of our lips can flow rivers of living waters. Now today I want to talk about the problem that we're dealing with the problem of sin but we're going to look at Jesus' greatest just talked about he's talked about the the messes that have went on before weakness. Jesus is greater than our weakness. Jesus is greater than all of our goodness. We looked at that with Pastor Stephen, and he talked about, you know, that our goodness is nothing. Matter of fact, he said it's like filthy rags, but that God's goodness is overwhelming to us. And then last week, Jason talked about that Jesus is greater than our doubts, because we all have those. Christians and non-Christians. Man, as Christians we have doubts and that's what happens. The enemy assails our mind with despair and doubt. And so we have to, man, fill our mind with the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I want to look at one person today that we often don't think of when we think of sin. I want to take a look at David. How many are familiar with David? David out there. So King David, he was awesome, right? You know, I mean, here he is as a young shepherd. He's out there slaying lions and bears. Man, with stones. And, you know, that's pretty amazing right there. I've never done any of that kind of stuff. So then, all of a sudden, he comes up one time, and he is, there's the armies of Israel running scared from big Goliath. And he gets out there, man, and he says, you come at me with the big old spear. He says, I come at you in the name of the Lord, and I'm gonna take your head off today. And sure enough, bam, hits him with a stone, slays him, victory. Well, man, he's, then he goes through some trials. He finally becomes king, and he's on this mountaintop experience. You know, and that's where our life goes, the Christian life, you know, the Christian life, up and down, up and down, up and down. When we get those mountaintop experiences, and then what is leaking into here? One time he says, "Man, I'm cool. I'm gonna send my general out to do war because I don't need to go this year. I've been really, man, hard struggle working up to this point right here. So I'm gonna let them go take care of business. I'm gonna kick back at the palace." And um, so he's out there looking down, sees a hot chick out there taking a bath, sends for her, sleeps with her, boom, sin. Goes even deeper. They have a child conceived. And finally, to cover this whole mess up, murder. This man of God, this mighty man, this one that we say, wow, ends up being a murderer. Because, like us all, he had a problem of sin. Let's look at his little thing. I just want to, he wrote a Psalm, chapter Psalm, he wrote a lot of Psalms, but Psalm chapter 51, we're going to start with that. Just want to read this passage. This is after he repents, and I just want to look at some key principles that he says. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justify when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Well, he nailed it right there. I mean, that's it. We're sinful from birth. I mean, what is the problem? It's not that I come out of of the womb and I'm, you know, trying to do sinful stuff. It's this problem is way back, like Stephen talked in the garden, when Adam chose to sin, when they were tempted. Well, that one act of disobedience brought sin and we are sinners at birth sinners at birth. We're sinfully conceived in the sense that, that we carry that stain of sin with us. And nobody has to look any further. You can, you that have children out there know when your daughter says no, or your son says no, and you're telling them to do the right thing. It, you didn't train them to say no. They're just like, I'm not doing what you're telling me. No. You know, and, we, and then you have to bring out the discipline. And we all know those things. And you don't have to look any further. How many times have we blown it? How many times have we not done what we're supposed to or done what we weren't supposed to. You know, if I was to define sin, sin simply means to miss that perfect mark. That's it. I mean, there's a, there's a God-given mark out there and if we're aiming at it, We sinned when we didn't. There's all kinds of words to describe the way sin is, whether it's a transgression, you stepped across the line, whether it's wickedness, it was really bad. You know, so there's like seven different words that define types of sin. But sin itself means you blew it. And the Bible says that all, everybody say all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we don't have to look at our neighbor and point fingers at him or her or what. You know, man, this mess is not for them, it's for me and it's for you. Because you know what, and I especially want to speak to Christians today. I, I want to speak to Christians because oftentimes as Christians we walk around and we got a smile on our face and come into church and we put on our Sunday clothes and hey, smile big and, you know, we're dying inside. We're struggling. We're battling. Oh, how many of us have told God, we'll never do that again. I'm not doing that again, God. No way we told people, our friends, families. I am swear that's done. And then what happened? We did it again. We did it again. Did it again. You know, and we struggle with this thing called sin. Oh, what a wonderful, awesome God we have because he has given us a solution. But I want to look at a few points about sin. Just, you know, because this is important that we identify sin. I've already said what it is, but let's look at some characteristics of sin and what it does in us. Let's look at, at the first point. Sin is deceptive. Sin is deceptive. Look at this verse with me. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be, what's that word? Hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Have you been hardened or, I like, you know, bombarded with sin? Man, you guys have been felt that overtaken in a trespass sometime? That's what the Bible says. If anyone is overtaken in a trespass, sometimes you're seeming to run away from sin and just, or sometimes you hold on so long it's like a rubber band. You know, you're holding on, holding, snap, it smacked you and hurt. Man, it hurts. You know, that sin is deceitful. If sin didn't feel good, nobody would do it, right? I mean, if it was bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, what it is is that the Bible says... Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, because each one is tempted by his own desires. And then, you know, the Bible says we're enticed, we're drawn away by our own desires, and when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And so there's that passage, that something inside of us that is drawing us towards sin. It's it's pulling at us, it's deceptive. You know, and that's why we gotta, we gotta speak life. We we need to have something that is greater than this deception. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, we need you know, I was man deceived and drawn away, and I just became such a wreck that society said, Man, you know, put him away. You're out. No more. Go away. And you know what, man, because I was wrapped up and I didn't get better, I got worse. But you know what, God did something. We'll talk about that. But sin is deceptive. It deceives us, it looks good. God gave us all these wonderful gifts, our emotions, our feelings, all these things, pleasures, things that God gave all those. Satan gave those. God created this wonderful, amazing body that we have and all the pleasures in life. And what it is, sin steps up and we start to, we start to warp those things. That's what sin does. It says, you know, hey, sex is good, but man, sex, have sex with everybody, you know, or this is good, or you know what, man, drinking is fine, but get drunk, you know, or whatever it is in our lives, it doesn't matter, you know, what it is in our life. Each one of us has our own specific struggles that we deal with, that's sin that draws us. It's deceptive. We'll talk ourselves into it. We'll try to talk ourselves, and we'll end up doing it again. So let's look at the next one. I I want, this is such an important part right here. Sin is destructive. Sin is destructive. Look at the verse with me, Romans chapter, uh, Galatians chapter six, verse seven and eight. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh will, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap destruction. Eternal life. Destruction. I mean, have we all faced some kind of destruction in our lives from our choices, from our sin, from somebody else's sin? We've all felt the impact. Man, sometimes it could be a death of a relationship. Somebody sins and blows it. Sometimes it could be the death of a friendship. Sometimes it could be the death of a blessing. Sometimes, you know what? Sin brings guilt. Shame don't even want to go back to God because you feel guilty, right? You know, you're like, I can't go back to God now. I done swore to him 500 times and that was 501. You know, and surely God couldn't. And, and then, so do you see the weight that the enemy uses against us? You know, that weight of sin that bears ugliness. Sin is just ugly. That's what it is. Sin is, sin is ugly in our lives. John chapter 10 Jesus talking about the thief He uses The Bible says The thief has come to steal To kill And to destroy And he uses the same thing He used in the garden The lust of the flesh The lust of the eyes And the pride of life Remember the woman saw That it was pleasing Able to make one wise And desirable to, for food You know it's the same kind of stuff It's going all the way in It repeats that In the book of First John Still using the same methods to bring destruction in our lives and in the lives of others. Third point here, sin is deadly. It's not a game. Sin is deadly. We often think about our little sins, ah, it wasn't too bad, it's just a little bit of, no, sin is an affront to a holy God. Let's just, that's the key point right there, sin is, is an affront to a holy God. God hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner, but he hates sin. Because it's an offense to him. He is holy and just and good. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, it says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. The verse in Romans chapter 6 says, Twenty-three says the wages of sin is death. Every time we sin, some death falls, some destruction falls. You know, but in Romans chapter one, he talks about this pathway, this destructive, deadly pathway that goes down. And you know, he says that because they didn't want to retain God in their mind, he gave them up. And then in a couple of verses, he says he gave them over. And finally, he says he gave them up to do all those things which are not fitting. And that his wrath is on those things. Sin is a problem. Sin is a problem in our lives. And you know, the more we do it, the worse it gets. Starts small, but gets big. Can't get enough. Jesus told the woman at the well, I like this allusion, he said to her one time, he said, you know, whoever comes to this water is going to thirst again, but whoever comes to the water that I give him will never thirst. You see, you can't get enough of sin. It just leaves you thirsty. It's like drinking a Coke, you know, I mean, it doesn't really quench your thirst. You got to have something else. You know, and that's what it is. Sin just, it's a downward spiral that you can see over and over again in the Bible. You know, like the Israelites, they came and then all of a sudden they were there and the Bible says in those days there was no king and everyone did what was right in his own eyes and you could see them just spiral down and down and finally God said, you guys are out. I'm sending you over here to this captivity. And and finally they got right. So, you know, here's the problem. We all got it. There's not a person in here, not a person on the planet that doesn't have a sin problem, but we have a message of hope. Oh, amen. We got a message of hope. The Bible says that we've been begotten again to a living hope, not a dead hope, not just some kind of weirdo hope. It's a living hope, and it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? Because he rose from the dead. That's it. We're not just in here celebrating some religion. This isn't just a club we meet at. We celebrate a risen Savior who's given us a hope. Oh, he's so awesome. He is so much greater. His blood is greater. His death is greater. His life is greater. And he right now is sitting at the right hand of God and interceding for us. And this is the solution. Jesus is greater. Let's let's look at this little acronym. It's called grace. I I just like it. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Grace. Grace on you, grace on you, grace on you it's such a wonderful thing. God's riches at Christ's expense, he has had grace upon us. And it's in Christ that we receive grace. In Christ that we receive grace. What a wonderful thing that God has done. And I, I just want to say wonderful things. God has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's not based upon my performance, The solution to our sin problem is not reading your Bible more, not doing another service, not, uh, you know, becoming more uh, holy in the terms. The solution to our sin problem is trusting in the Savior. It's the cross. Oh, I don't, you could be really good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. You're trusting in your goodness, it's gone. But if you're trusting in the Savior, it's thumbs up to God. Because it doesn't matter what I think about you. It matters, the Bible says that God sees the heart. He knows all our struggles. He sees it. And it's God's riches at Christ's expense that makes the difference. It's going back to the cross over and over and over again. Always coming back to the cross. Let's look at three points here. I just want to talk about this. Point number one. His grace is greater. His grace is greater than our sin. Look at this one passage. I love this passage. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 to 20. It tells us, for just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of, this, of one man, the many will be made righteous. Look at this last part. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I mean, we've experienced the first one, sin abounding in our lives, you know, just turning us over, going on and getting deeper. But listen to this. I, I love this word, where sin abounded. It means to jump, you know, go on, go over. Man, God did it better. He super abounded. No matter how high the bar was, God said, I'm jumping over that. I can make it. And he can. He could do anything. He's awesome. He abounded. His grace, his expen- riches, God's riches at Christ's expense, just jumped over that. And that's an exciting thought. You cannot sin enough. Now, it's not a license to sin. Don't just run out of here and start sinning because, but your sin cannot outdo God's grace. That one sin or those multitudes of sins that you're thinking about right now can't outdo God's grace. Amen. And you gotta cling to that. You gotta hold to that because you know what the enemy's gonna do. He's gonna whisper in you. He's gonna say, "Oh, God's not gonna forgive you. You can't talk to God anymore. You've already told him that you swore not you're gonna do that anymore." Oh, you blew it again. You bad person. <laughs> That's why. I mean, it's, you got or you even say those things to yourself. I'm so stupid. We talk negative to ourselves. You know, I'm dumb. Why did I do that? Uh, and then we get guilty and we're full of shame and remorse. And these are the destructive things, of sin. And then sometimes we, you know, it's all, oh, honestly, we, we sometimes don't go back to God. Because we're scared. We're guilty. We feel like he, we're nothing. That's all right. Praise God. He didn't care if you're nothing. He made you a Somebody. He said, man, I'm choosing this person. I got this person. That's my son. That's my daughter. And I love her. All you that have kids out there know no matter how times your kid says the wrong things or does the wrong, still love them. Love them, love them, love them. might get you mad, but you still love them. You still love them. Let's look at this next passage. His forgiveness is greater his forgiveness is greater. Look at this verse right here. This is so wonderful. It's built on grace. So let's, Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption. That means he's bought us back. Oh, that's a wonderful passage. Just think you've been purchased. Oh, it's not a little purchase. It was the purchase at the cost of the blood of Jesus. wow. We have forgiveness through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There it is again, that wonderful word, grace. Grace is meaning that God gives us what we don't deserve. And that's it. God gives us. And it's not, I didn't earn this. God just just gave it. He gave his riches. He gave us forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a wonderful thing. I mean, you know, and we think oftentimes back to the numbers again. Let's think, now Peter one time came to Jesus and he said, you know, he said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Up to seven times? That's a pretty good number. Yeah, I mean, if he socks you in the day, socks you in the face seven times, should you I'd be really gracious, God. And Jesus just put him in his place. He said, I tell you not seven times, but seventy times seven. And he wasn't saying just count up to four hundred and ninety and that's it. <laughs> no, he didn't see it. He's just showing us the grace of God. He's showing us the goodness of God. He's showing us that God is not up there. Hold on. The Bible says that God has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever measured that? It can't be measured. There is no measurement because they never will meet. Ever, ever, ever. The Bible says, as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Amazing God that we serve. That can't be measured. He says he's cast all our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. What? All of our sins. Oh, I want you to remember this one. Because, you know, often we're performance driven. You know, we're thinking, oh, man, I did pretty good today. Or I've been doing good this week. Or all my sins are confessed up to right now. And I'm in church. It's good, you know. But if we leave the building and I say a cuss word and then I hit by a car, surely I'm out. You know, But no, no, that's not the way it works. God's not like, he, the, God forgave you for... Most of your transgressions. No, no, that's not even go there. God forgave you for all your transgressions. The ones you've already done. The ones you might be doing right now. And the ones that you're going to do in the future. All of them went to the cross. There's not one. You can't surprise God. <laughs> you can't surprise. Your sin, God's oh my gosh, did you see what that person did? He chose you. He knows you. He knows everything you're ever going to do. He loves you. Let me just say this once again. I just gotta get He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never. Everybody say never. 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 Wait a second. That is the most awesome promise ever. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And we're gonna look at little passages and dealing with that. But you know, mercy triumphs over judgment what James tells us in the book of James. He said, you know, he said that mercy triumphs over judgment and we serve the God of all mercy. 37 times in the Bible, the Bible says his mercy endures forever or his mercy is everlasting. That's pretty awesome. His mercy endures forever. His forgiveness is greater than your sin. He's not counting a tally. He doesn't say that's 900 million times that you've done that. He's saying, you know what? I love you. I forgive you. You're mine. The Bible says he chose you from before the foundation of the world that you should be holy and blameless before him in love. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful. And that brings us to the, to the last passage right here or the last point. His love is greater his love is greater than your sin his love is greater you know the, the one passage the one gospel in the nutshell john three sixteen says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life well that was, that's just me what a verse to grab onto right there i mean these are things that we should hide in our hearts because these are the things when the enemy comes whispering Or when you failed Or when you've blown it And you feel like God can't love you He does He does Oh he says man My father has you in the pond Nobody's able to snatch them out of my father's hand And then he says this my, I and my father are one Isn't that a wonderful passage right there Nobody can snatch you out of his hand Nobody can snatch you. He's got you tattooed. He's got your name tattooed on, in the book of Isaiah. It says, I've inscribed you on the palm of my hands. I don't know how he does that, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. It just means that God's got your name. He knows who you are. He knew all about you. This is your identity in Christ, and that's what's exciting. See, we have a message of hope to give to each other, and we have a message of hope to give to somebody else. We have something wonderful. Look at the passage right here. I love this passage Paul in the book of Romans is going through this time and he's been dealing in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. In chapter 7 he gets to this place and he said, oh wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Right at the end. Oh man, I'm, I'm, because he's been saying, you know, I got things that I don't want to do and then I end up doing them. And then he says, man, there's things that I should be doing, I'm not doing them. He says it plainly. He says, man, there's a law within me, a conflict. Sin is present in me. The problem The problem. And then he comes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation. What an amazing word. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. His blood is enough. His death is enough. I've heard people tell me one thing. They said, oh, brother Devin, I've forgiven everybody else, but I can't forgive myself. You know what? If you say that, what you're saying is that what Jesus did on the cross is not enough. God forgave you. If he forgave you, why can't you forgive yourself? I mean, and, or, or you're saying, Jesus, you didn't do it enough. You didn't, you I need to put a couple more stripes on you, Jesus. You need to hang there a little longer. No, Jesus, his death is enough. It's enough. He bore the wrath of God so that, man, he had to turn and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was bearing the wrath of God and separated because he was facing that sin judgment. He bore all our sins in his body on the tree. That's what the word of God tells us. And that's where you come back to, come back to, come back to it. Come back to it again and again and again. However many times you sin in a day, in a month, in a year, it doesn't matter because God receives you. He loves you. Look at this passage. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm gonna say it again. He will never leave you. He loves you so much. He said nothing, nothing, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from that great love. He loves you that much And that's our message of hope to each other That's our message of hope to the world Because he loves them He laid down his life for them And we speak life into their lives We speak life into our lives And how do we do it? Well we get it by clinging to the word of God And believing what he says That's the most important thing we could do And this is what is going to be When we believe in that We believe that Jesus is greater than because we see what he's done. We see what God has done in Christ Jesus for us and we cling to that and we have a message of hope and life. Let's close out in prayer.